beginning a new message series, again, um, there we go, called Near and Far. Now, for those of you who are Sesame Street fans, this has nothing to do with Grover, okay? I'm not going to run towards you and go, Near and Far! I'm not going to do that. Although I had not planned on doing that, now you have been entertained. Near and Far, the message series is about our calling or the calling of those, the set apart, um, the, the set apart and calling of people to be on mission and to go with a missional mindset into all of the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples of him. Now, as we begin this morning, I want to make sure that we, we understand what the purpose and the focus of this month that is immersed into missions it really is want to, for each one of us to be, to be aware, just to have that awareness of what is going on, not only in the world, but all, also what's going on right here in our backyard um, that's missional, that is being, um, the work that's being done by God's people that he's set apart and called out to do his work. It's also meant to dispel any misunderstandings or misconceptions or stereotypes of what missionaries are. Now, we can easily go back to some of the history books and we can see some of the missionaries of old and we go, well, that's what I think about whenever I think about missionaries. You leave your homeland, you get on a ship, you write your, your you know, last will and testament, you leave it with your family because you're never going to see them again and then you you go on location to this foreign land and you burn your ship because you're never going home and you're never going to see your family again you're never going to see your homeland again and you're always always going to be in some um, some head hunting head you know brain shrinking tribe that is out to kill you at any possible uh, any possible means and that's sometimes what we think about in missionary the truth is, that's not at all what God had intended whenever he was sending people out to be missional for his word. And then the final thing I hope that we can do is discern by the Holy Spirit for each one of us personally. What is our role in supporting the mission of God, the mission of the church? And not only what is our role in supporting the mission of the church, but what is our role in possibly being missional ourselves? Because that's something that I think we need to understand and talk about. We often will think that, well, missionaries and missions are something and somewhere far away. Something that is for certain people that are called out and that are empowered to do something uh, that, that is kind of this fringe of the, of the Christian society. And it's not necessarily for all followers of Jesus, but just for a select few. And as we begin this morning, I want to make sure that we understand that we are introduced to the specific missionaries that, uh, that partnership supports. And when I say that we support, we support them financially. And as I mentioned before, as we, we give in our tithes and our offerings to, uh, to partnership, uh, we take 11% of everything that is given to the church and its general fund, and that money is set apart for missions and outreach. So 11% of everything right off the top goes outside the church. And as we do that, so we, when we talk about supporting missionaries, we support them financially, but we also support them with prayer. Um, we support them by resourcing them. 
We support them by visiting them. We support them by by trying to um, find other ways that we can become integrated into their ministry and to, to minister alongside with them. So the first um, of the five that we support here at Partnership, I want to introduce you to uh, Tim and Terry Hudson. Some of you may have seen them and uh, seen them around or know them. Uh, some of you who are fairly new, you may not uh, recognize their face. So Terry Hudson was called to serve in Kenya, and she has, uh, has been going back and forth there for some, goodness, 30 years Okay, over 20 years. Uh, and then her husband as well joined her in that mission. They're, they're in uh, Neri, right? The Neri town in Kenya. We also uh, introduce you to George and Damaris Varudi. George and Damaris are Romanian nationals. So they are born and raised in Romania. And they serve and they minister in Romania. Um, they serve two churches there. One in Craiova and one in Segarcia. Uh, the Segarcha Church is, a, um, is what they call a gypsy church, which means that for, for gypsies that kind of come and go and kind of ebb and flow in their, uh, in their, their uh, journeys and in their sojourners, they minister to these people as they're coming through and they're passing through. And some of them stay and some of them don't. But it's a, it's a very, uh, from an earthly standpoint, it feels like a fruitless ministry because nobody ever hangs around very long. And all they're hoping to do is to merely instill the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ for the time that they have them. We also support uh, Brent and Mary Marion. They're in Madaba, Jordan. Uh, there they are ministering to specifically the, the Syrian refugees that are there in Jordan. So those people who have been displaced by, by war, um, they are going into these Syrian families, these Syrian households that are predominantly Muslim. And as they are welcoming them into their homes to share the gospel message, then they are doing just that, befriending people um, on family-by-family basis. Uh, not necessarily planting a church as we would uh, expect to see it here in, in the West, but going through house church to house church to house church, sharing the gospel message with those Syrian res- refugees. And then last week, you were, um, if you were here, you got to meet uh, Glenn Kuhn. And Glenn is kind of our, he's our, he's our local, one of our local missionaries. And we call him a missionary because he is in, he's in the mission field at UT. And if you've ever been to a university campus, you know that anything goes. So what Glenn and his wife Tracy are doing there at UT is extremely important in carrying the gospel message and the, the presence of Jesus Christ to, to a student. To students that not only are from Tennessee, but also from an international community coming into the university system. And finally, least, last but not least, our very own uh, Greg and Lydia Pittner. Uh, you guys wave, just so they know you're here. They're, they're, here, they're here all the time. Um, we, we, uh, we support them as well. They have a local ministry, which is right here in Maryville. So you see how we started wide and broad, and then we kind of brought this thing in. They serve a, uh, um, an Asian community, Japanese specifically, here in Maryville. For those of us who may not be aware, we have a, a very large Japanese community that is here in Maryville due to Denzo uh, and a lot of uh, international students that come to study at Maryville College. So Greg and Lydia have been called into that community, again, to befriend, to, uh, to show the love and the hope in Jesus Christ, and to ensure that that, that light is being emitted 
into those households. So they were technically international missionaries in Maryville. Doesn't make any sense. That's almost like an oxymoron, isn't it? So partnership defines a missionary, and I apologize that I, I, I missed for some reason putting this on a slide, but I'm going to use this definition uh, with, every mes- with every message. So they defined a missionary as one who is a believer that is set apart and sent out with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the purpose of making disciples. I'm going to repeat that in case you're writing and you write really slow. Missionaries are believers who are set apart and sent out with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the purpose of making disciples. Now, on first hearing that, you might think, well, that sounds like a really um, all-encompassing definition. But from our stereotypes and some of our misconceptions and preconceptions of what missionaries are, it leaves a lot of gaps. And those gaps are intentional. It intentionally doesn't say anything about a, a specific education level or a vocation of the person, of the missionary that's called out and sent out. There's nothing specific that says that how this person has to be vetted through a, a, a human experience or a human vetting process. There's nothing that's said about the, the sponsoring agency, whether it needs to be a church or, or a mission agency or a mission board or something of the sort. And nothing specific about how or where these missionaries fulfill their mission. Those are intentional ambiguities. That's because we believe that it's God that sets those things. And we see evidence in scripture, all over scripture, that God sets these these things. He sets the ones who are set apart. He's the one that sins. He's the one that gives the message. And for the sake of the, 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 the full-on, uh, you know, all-encompassing fruit that becomes of this mission, he's responsible for producing the fruit. So he's responsible for all of it. Missionaries there are merely to listen, obey, and go. Learning more about this, the first part of this definition of a missionary To be set apart is what I really want to focus on this morning. What does it mean for a missionary to be set apart? Or what does it mean for any man or woman to be set apart for God's purpose, for the mission that he has in store? And in that, we're going to explore um, an instance in the book of Acts to where Paul and Barnabas were intentionally set apart for a particular Ministry. And we're going to find that in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3. I'm going to put it up here on the screen as well. And it reads like this. Now in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, and a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, they prayed and laid hands on them and sent them off. 
verse 2, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So, recognizing the picture of the scene here, the church has come together. They're praying, they're fasting, they're worshiping, and they're not necessarily going, God, who should we send? They were merely just being the church. They were merely just worshiping and loving on God. Thanking God for his blessings, thanking God for his son Jesus Christ. They were encouraging one another. They were just being the church. And in the midst of this time that they were spending in worship, the Holy Spirit spoke. And he spoke in unity. And it was in such a way that he spoke that everyone agreed. Now again, what did this voice of the Lord sound like? Did it sound like a clap of thunder that came into the room and said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. Or was it merely this prompting in the heart of those believers who were there worshiping where they felt like, for some reason I just keep feeling like Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul just keep coming into my heart. And I feel like, God is, I feel like God's maybe prompting that. And then once person speaks, you know what guys, I kind of feel like God said that Barnabas and Saul should be sent out. And then the next person says, you know what, that's funny that you would say that because I got that same exact prompting. And then the third person goes, that's amazing because I felt like as I was praying and fasting, God spoke that to me as well. You see, that's what I feel like. The majority of the time, the way that the Lord speaks and how it's confirmed and affirmed in the body of Christ. That he speaks and he prompts in that still small voice, just as he did with Elijah. He did it in, in, their, in your heart, in your soul, in your conscience, that you're surely, certainly seeking his face and his word. And then as he prompts, you share that with a brother or sister, and they say, wow, that's amazing, because God spoke, I feel like God spoke that same thing to me. And then after a while, you recognize that you have this affirmation of the entire body. And no one is in disagreement. No one is in disagreement in this church about who they should send. And they weren't in disagreement about who set them apart. They knew it wasn't them. It wasn't the human beings of the church. It was the Holy Spirit from the God in which they were worshiping. God was setting them apart. And they obeyed. They set Barnabas and Saul apart. They blessed them and they sent them off. So what is the setting apart? It's an interesting phrase that we read about over and over in Scripture. In fact, there's some 130 occurrences of this, these two terms together. God set apart. 130 occurrences and 58 different verses all throughout Scripture. God set apart. Now, some things he set apart for himself and is holy. Some of the things that he set apart for destruction. Some of the things that he set apart for a specific purpose. But either way, there's this term being set apart. And in each one of the verses, it's God who does the setting apart. Now, if you look particularly for those two terms together in Scripture, you're only going to find 130 occurrences. However, there's another word. That's found much more prevalent in scripture. That also means set apart whenever it's translated. And that's the word holy. The word holy 
merely means to be set apart for a special purpose for the Lord. Now the word holy is used 659 times in scripture in 592 verses. God talks about his holiness. He talks about us being holy as he is holy. And the more things that he talks about being holy, he's if you take that synonymous definition of being set apart, it all works perfectly if you were to if you were to inter, uh, if you were to interject those words for the word holiness, set apart for the special purpose of God. And the setting apart again makes it makes it very clear that it's God who does this setting apart. Chosen people for his mission. He reveals his selection. I love this verse in Psalm 43, where it says, Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. God has set apart the faithful for himself. He determines those who are separated out for a special purpose. So not only is it God who sets people apart for his purpose, we have to know, well, what is that purpose? Well, ta-da, it's God that determines the purpose as well. If we read on there from Acts chapter 13, not only did God set Paul and Barnabas apart in that, that prayer meeting, but he goes on to the next per- verses, then he talks about where, where Paul and Barnabas were sent. That was the purpose that God had designated by his sovereignty. And Paul recognized that he was set apart specifically by God for a particular purpose when he said in Galatians chapter 1, He says, when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so what? So that I could preach him among the Gentiles. Here's my purpose, Paul says. This is what I was set apart for, to go and preach among the Gentiles. And it's eerily similar to a prophet that existed well before Paul and the prophet Jeremiah when he said, the word of the Lord came to me. He says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was set apart by the Lord. He was set apart for a purpose, to be a prophet. And it wasn't just in prophecy and as, uh, as this mission work that God would set things apart for his purpose. If we go all the way back, even before Jeremiah, to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 10, God said that he was going to set apart, in verse 8, set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant, to stand before the Lord to serve him and to pronounce blessings in his name as it is today. So as God's Direction, it was God's providence that was setting these things apart for a special holy purpose. See, Paul's set apartness, he speaks of there in Romans, uh, he speaks in Romans 1 1. He talks about how he was set apart for the gospel of the message of Jesus Christ. And then we get to this instance in Acts chapter 13. We recognize that he's also set apart now for this particular ministry within the broad context of being set apart for the ministry. Let me repeat that in maybe a little clearer. Paul was set apart from birth 
to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then throughout his life, he would be set apart again on a micro level to do specific tasks. To go to specific places to preach to specific people. See, Paul was set apart in the broad sense. And then he was set apart again in the specifics. You know, a person who is on mission, who is called to be a missionary, they know by God's spirit that they are, A, they're set apart by the grace of God. They're set apart by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. That they are set apart for God's holy purpose, just in general in their life. And you know what? That's me and you. You and I, whether or not you have ever done anything that you consider missional, we have been set apart. We've been set apart through the grace of Jesus Christ to be God's priesthood to all believers. Would you agree with that? Do you feel set apart? You feel special? You should feel special because you are. God said, I wanted you to feel special. I want you to know that you're special because I chose you before the foundations of the earth in Jesus Christ. I want you to be special. I want you to know that you're set apart for a holy purpose. But then among that set apartness, among that broad umbrella of being set apart, there is something specific that he has in store for me and for you. Something very, very personal. Something that is something that only you can do. Now you're going to ask me, well, what is that? And my answer to you is, I don't know. But I can believe that just as God spoke by his spirit to those who were praying and fasting, that he will tell you and he will tell me what we are set apart for. And maybe it's to walk across the lawn and to speak to someone over the fence. Maybe it's to walk into the bedroom that is adjacent to your bedroom and speak to your child. Maybe it's to go to downtown Knoxville at UT, a nice comfortable distance from home that you can commute to back and forth. And then maybe he might call you to move to another foreign country like California. And even beyond that, he could call you and set you apart to be in a place that is so unfamiliar to you that you don't know how you would ever survive without his power, his glory, his grace, his resourcefulness, his encouragement, his spirit. Maybe he sends you to an entirely different culture, a a true other country, a true other people. To another language that you've never spoken before. To a culture that you wouldn't have no idea how to navigate. And for each one of us, just as missionaries know that they know that they're A, set apart by the gospel of Jesus Christ in general. To be a priesthood to all those who do not believe and know. They also recognize in the spirit that they are set apart for a particular mission. And sometimes they're right here. 
And sometimes they are far away. But again, it is God who sets apart. And God will reveal that to you. God has revealed that to them. And that's what we know for the people that we support here at Partnership. It's through prayer, through fasting, that we recognize that these people truly have been set apart for the mission in which they are accomplishing. It's not for us to question their set-apartness. We have become convinced by the same Holy Spirit that called them that they are called. It's that affirmation of the voice of God in our hearts. What about you? What about me? I think it's easy to agree that we are all set apart and, and called holy. A holy church, a holy existence, a holy priesthood. Set apart as the church. But on that micro level, what are you being set apart for? I can promise you that there's something. There's something for you, there's something for me. And it's very personal, and it's very specific. And it's not always going to have to do with what you are good at. Sometimes God does not really care what skills you have. When you look at the disciples, he didn't go and pick the finest orators the scholars of the time, he picked men that had a heart to follow him and to listen. And when God spoke, they went. And when they needed to speak, they, God empowered him, them by his spirit to speak. When they needed to know what to say, God empowered them by his spirit on what to say. When they were at a crossroads and they didn't know whether to go right or left, God prompted them by his spirit which path to take. As we go into a time now of communion and prayer together. And just a side note, our, our, the time that we take communion, this is an open table. This is Jesus' table. This is Jesus' table, okay? This does not belong to partnership. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and, 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 and he wants his brothers and sisters to commune together around his table. We have no ownership of this. It's his. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior, then we want to invite you to this time of, of remembrance of Jesus Christ and reflection. And as we go into a time of communion and reflection about what it is, well, first of all, God, thank you that you are setting people apart to go into, to go into these various places, that you, are, that you are being specific about the people who you are calling and sending, not just to neighbors, but to different towns and cities and communities and states and countries. Let's thank God that he's setting those people apart. And not only is he setting them apart, let's thank God that they're listening. That they're obeying. That the word of God is being, is being spread throughout the world. 
And we think of the world oftentimes in, in the broad sense, but the world starts with walking out that door. That's the edge of the world right there. This, that, that's part of it. Let's start by thanking God that there are people that are obeying their set-apartness. And now, let's also, as we take communion together, to think about what it is and pray that God will reveal to us what it is that he's setting us apart for. In John chapter 10, verse 36, Jesus specifically says, and it's kind of tucked into a, a conversation that he's having with some, of the, with some of the naysayers. And he says that he was set apart by God and sent into the world. John chapter 10, verse 36, it's in there. Jesus says, I too was set apart and sent into the world by God. And then if all we seek to do as disciples of Jesus Christ is to be like Jesus, then we too must recognize that we are being set apart and sent out into the world. What is that purpose for you? As we take the bread and the cup this morning, I want us to remember Jesus' set-apartness, if that's a way to say it. The fact that he was holy, set apart by God, sent out into the world. And Jesus repeated regularly that a servant is not above his master. In layman's terms, that means that anyone that is, comes under Jesus' tutelage then also has to follow in the ways of the master, in the ways of the teacher. We can't say that Jesus was set apart, but we aren't. We have to say what Jesus was, I seek to be or am. So as we take the bread and the cup, I want us to remember first Jesus's, Jesus' existence as being set apart by God for that purpose. For that purpose of the salvation of mankind. For the forgiveness of sins. For paying the price of, of your sins and my sins. For righting all that was wrong in the world. For defeating evil. For defeating death, for defeating the grave, Jesus set apart, and I have to say, he fulfilled his mission quite well. Perfect, in fact. And as we seek to commune now with Jesus, just as we're sitting around the table with him, I want us to imagine that we're looking across the table. We're taking the bread in honor of him, remembering his broken body. We're taking the cup in honor of him, remembering his shed blood. And we're saying, Jesus, I I'm, I'm want to know that I am set apart just like you. Lord, I just want to know what it is that you want me to do. And I'll say yes. And I'll go. Into the next room or into the next country. Almighty God, your son, Jesus Christ, was the perfect example of something you had set apart, called holy for your special purpose. And he did that to perfection, more perfect than anything that's ever existed. 
Lord, we read in your word that you consistently set things and people apart for your special purpose. And then you name the purpose. God, as we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus this morning by taking this meal, by receiving it with him. Father, I pray that through our time of prayer now and and reflection and meditation on your word and your purpose for us, that we are also to know what you're setting us apart for, each one of us. What person or people, what community, what neighborhood, what household, what country, what city, Reveal that to us now, Lord, so that we can live lives in honor of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to die on a cross, be resurrected from the grave, Lord, so that your mission of the redemption of all mankind could continue in each one of his disciples in whom Lord we count ourselves it's in Jesus Christ I pray amen let's eat together